Welcome back to the Strong Mamas Podcast, a mind, body, nutrition, and fitness podcast for women living with Hashimoto's and PCOS. I am your host, Natalie Guevara, certified nutrition and fitness professional with a specialty in female metabolism, hormones, and functional nutrition. I have dedicated not only my career, but my life to understanding the unique needs of women dealing with thyroid dysfunction and PCOS after my own journey and struggle. I'm an advocate for health, fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset to help you find freedom and confidence in your body and in your life. This podcast is the place for knowledge, conversation, community, and inspiration. Let's dive right in together. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday if you're listening in real time. This week, I have an episode that I wanted to share with you guys just based off of truthfully some of the comments that I've been receiving on Instagram, some of the conversations I've been having with my clients, and some of the thoughts that have been going on in my head. We have a happy, happy baby this morning. Um, And it's all around the scale. And so what I didn't share, so what I'm sharing today is actually a lesson directly from the Strong Method, my custom nutrition and lifestyle coaching program. So it's a new lesson that we recorded and put up around how to scale the scale for progress and results. And so this is something that I wanted to share with you all rather than just create uh, an entire different episode because it's something that's really relevant in, in my life right now. So I am, at the time of this recording, I'm two months postpartum. I have begun working with a nutrition coach. Once again, my goal is not fat loss at this time. I say that again and again and again, um, partially because (laughs) the number one question I am getting right now is what I'm doing to get my pre-baby body back, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, or real life. Um, What I'm doing to get my pre-baby body back, what I'm doing to lose the baby weight, all these different comments. And, you know, truthfully, being in these new mom groups, it's something that I hear just like on on repeat, you know, mom's constantly asking, what can I do to lose the weight? How can I get my body back? And it honestly breaks my heart. And, you know, just transparently showing up and saying, I'm not a unicorn, as I frequently tell my clients, um, I have the same thoughts that you guys have. Like maybe I want to be losing weight. Maybe I should be losing weight. Um, and I know that this is a conversation that so many of you guys have in your, your heads. And so when I coach individuals, everything that we do is health first, deep health first, metabolism first, hormones first, because none of the other stuff matters until we have that somewhat under control. And so as someone that is postpartum, I lost a fair amount of muscle mass during pregnancy, totally normal. Obviously, it's going to take a little bit for my hormones to get back on track, totally normal. I'm breastfeeding, so there's additional energetic needs for that, normal. And so it's really just not the most appropriate time at two months postpartum to start worrying about fat loss. And so you're now you're saying, well, why did you hire a nutrition coach? Simply because I need coaching guidance and support, just like so many of you guys, to make sure that I'm actually hitting my nutritional needs. I'm actually supporting my body. I'm actually supporting my hormones. And I'm actually getting enough to where I can maintain my milk supply and I can build the muscle that I lost that I so desperately want to get back. But that doesn't change the fact that I've had so many thoughts about the scale. 
Truth be told, I don't own a scale. There is no scale in my home, but I had a very triggering moment when I went to the OBGYN for my six week postpartum recheck when of course they forced me to get on the scale. Okay, it wasn't exactly forced, but they expect you to do that, which is something truthfully at the beginning of my pregnancy, I said, you know, I don't want to do this. I don't want to know. But I did know I did not advocate for myself in a in a good enough way to say, you know what, we don't need to do a weight every single time I come into this doctor's office because I knew that I was nourishing my body. I was exercising to my the best of my ability, which was um, not very much just because of various reasons. And, you know, I was I was OK with that. I was at peace with that. But I happened to know exactly how much weight I gained during pregnancy. And so immediately postpartum i was feeling good i was feeling you know he sleeps okay for a newborn so you know some days i'm more tired than others but overall i was feeling fairly rested i was feeling good in my skin um energy starting to coming back all these things and then i go in for that six week postpartum appointment stepped on the scale first thing and then everything shifted i felt bad about myself i didn't want to look at myself in the mirror because i was very aware that i'd only lost 10 pounds since the last visit that I'd had, which was actually the day I went into labor with him. And it was just like shocking to me how much that gripped me, how much that triggered me, how much that took the way I perceived my body, the way I felt about my body. You know, I was excited. It was, it's actually been a, a really amazing experience to look at this life that I grew for nine months and now I, I'm exclusively breastfeeding to know that I'm still growing this human being, to have pride in my body. And so then it took me further down the shame and guilt tunnel to feel shameful and guilty for having that feeling in that moment when I was triggered by the scale, not spitting out a number that represented how I was actually feeling in my body. And that was the truth. That number just didn't actually represent how I felt in my body. I was starting to feel stronger. I was feeling good. Um, in, in my skin, obviously, after having a, a after having a baby, I do have excess body fat um, that I would like to lose at some point. But that didn't change the fact that I felt good. I felt strong. Um, I, I felt safe in my body. And then all of a sudden, this number spits at me, and and I'm just you know gripping at everything, feeling like okay, I need to start watching what I'm eating and 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 all the things. And then subconsciously, my actions reflected that. I came home and I didn't want to eat as much as I, as I would have the day before, before I knew that number. I immediately, and this was six weeks, I did not start my workout routine until this past week, right at eight weeks. Um, I felt the need to just immediately come back home since I was technically, quote, cleared for exercise and start exercising. All the things as an educated professional I know were not helpful, useful, or going to actually get me results. I immediately gripped to and said, I need to go do this. And I already knew at this point that I uh, had already spoken with a coach. I'd already pretty much hired uh, a coach that I'd worked with previously for, but I, I didn't want to start until eight weeks postpartum because I do have enough knowledge to, to feed myself and nourish myself for those first six weeks. And I knew around eight weeks would be a good time. My husband was starting a new job for us to settle into a routine and me to, me to start to focus. Now, this is not a conversation of let's wait to to a good time um, to get anything started. That's not, that's not what this is about, but I knew that. And in that moment, I honestly was, was feeling anxious waiting to, to start with, with my coach because I was like, okay, I need my coach, but wait a minute. 
I'm not working with a coach for weight loss. Um, I'm working with a coach for a totally different thing. So anyway, I'm rambling on about that just to share a, a really personal experience, a really relevant experience as to what I'm sharing with you today. Um, because I do know that this conversation is, is happening in so many of your, of your minds, especially now that summer's coming to an end, we're stepping into back to school season, and there's that pressure to do so much, to get back into your routine, to get back to everything. And so I hope that today's episode, again, this is just a straight up lesson, straight out of the strong method, my uh, customized nutrition and lifestyle coaching program that I share with all of my clients. And so I hope this gives you some, some science, some evidence, um, as well as some strategy to, to actually utilize the scale for what it is rather than let it dictate and control your actions, your behaviors, your thoughts, and how you feel about your body and yourself. So enjoy. Let's talk really quickly about scaling the scale. Scaling the scale to create a tool that promotes our progress rather than it being a tool that is creating an emotional response in our bodies and our minds that is leading more than likely to self-sabotage. So the first things first, we need to recognize what the scale is and what the scale isn't. First of all, the scale is a tool that we can use in our health and fitness journey as a means for gathering data. What the scale isn't is the judge of your morality, whether you've been good, whether you've been bad. And so understanding that we need to understand that when we get emotional over the scale, that we are actually creating that emotion and it doesn't need to be a part of our journey. So what I'm going to offer you, of course, are a couple of ways that you can actually utilize this data in your favor to actually scale your progress, some ways to troubleshoot the data that we're receiving, and some ways to navigate the emotional aspect of the scale. So first things first, how are we actually going to get our data from the scale? The most important thing that we can do when we are utilizing the scale for, scale for data collection is to make sure that we're utilizing, first of all, the same tool in the same circumstances consistently. Just like we want to be tracking our food consistently, moving our body consistently, using all of our healthy habits and behaviors consistently, we want to be utilizing these tools that are measuring our progress, of course, consistently. One of the most common reasons that I see women have an emotional response to the scale is because they're not utilizing it to actually track trends. They're utilizing the scale after a weekend, after perhaps an overindulgence or a binge, after they've had a quote, good week or a good day. And because of that, they're using the number that pops up on that little box as a way to judge whether they're doing things right or whether they're doing things wrong. And this is not the correct way to actually utilize this tool. So if we want to utilize this tool correctly using the same tool in the same circumstances, so preferably first thing in the morning after using the restroom with as little clothing on as, as possible, uh, preferably in your birthday suit, that is how we can track that number. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you that we want to do this more than just once a week. That is one of the common reasons that 
folks get an emotional response to the scale because we're not doing it consistently and we're not actually getting enough data. So in order to track trends, we need to have as many numbers or values as possible. This doesn't mean that you need to be tracking every single day. However, preferably we will track at least four days per week. And if it becomes an issue as to tracking consistently or getting those four days, then I do encourage you to actually track daily. It only becomes an obsession if you choose to make it an obsession and once again choose to attach emotion and feeling to the number, aka data, that this little box is spitting back at you. One of the biggest mistakes that I see when folks are choosing to only track four days out of the week is that they're choosing to track days again after they've had a quote good day or a bad day. So making sure that we're staying away from that. If you have difficulty attaching emotion and feeling to the number that you're receiving off of the scale, I do recommend when you begin that you are tracking every single day. Whether you've had a good day, a bad day, whether you're on vacation, it's your birthday, whatever the circumstance may be, I recommend that you use this as exposure therapy and start to desensitize yourself to any emotion coming from this number. Because the fact is, is that numbers don't have emotion, they're fact, they're data. We choose as human beings in a human experience to attach emotion and feeling to that. And unfortunately, when we do that, it starts to dictate the rest of our day. I want you to pause for a moment before listening to any more of this and just ask yourself honestly, can you recall a time when the scale has spit a number back at you and you've either adjusted your mood the way you felt about the rest of the day, or you've actually adjusted your eating habits, your exercise habits, any of your healthy habits throughout the day. An example of this could be the scale is a little bit higher than you anticipated, so you automatically start to withdraw or restrict your food or perhaps go to the gym when you wouldn't have normally gone or even work a little bit harder in a normally scheduled workout. On the flip side, the number is a little bit higher and it causes you to feel guilt and shame and down on yourself, which could perpetuate some overindulgences or binge-like behaviors. It's what I call going to effort land. The number keeps going up. I must be wrong. This is not working for me. I'm just going to keep eating whatever I want, doing whatever I want, which isn't helpful as a thought pattern and it isn't helpful as a way to move towards your goal. This is another thing that happens subconsciously. By the way, most of these are happening subconsciously is that we get a number that's lower on the scale and we start to celebrate ourselves, treat ourselves by quote slacking off. Now, by now you probably know that I'm a pretty huge proponent of rest and recovery. So that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about that we get a little lax in our tracking. We get a little lax in our choices. We get a little lax in, in how we're moving our body. All the things that we've built up because it's quote working and so I have a little bit of breathing room and I start to revert back to my old habits. So just take a moment and allow yourself to actually be honest if that's ever happened to you. Because if I'm being honest with you, I can tell you that it most definitely has happened for me. So now that we start to understand that we are using this, this tool to track data, to track, to track trends, we need to know what to do with those trends, what to use, what, what to do with the data. So most importantly, we're looking at averages. 
Whether you are a woman who is still cycling or you're in perimenopause, menopause or postmenopause, we all have hormonal fluctuations that are going to influence the scale. In fact, we have a lot of different things that we're going to that are going to influence the scale, and I'm going to get to that in a minute when I talk about how we can actually use the AIM method assess, investigate, and modify to interpret the data that we're receiving from the scale. So first things first, as a woman, we have normal hormonal fluctuations. This is also going to cause fluctuations on the scale. So the more numbers that we have throughout the week, throughout the month, it gives us a more accurate representation of what's really going on as far as your weight loss and your body fat recomposition. So for example, you may notice as you're going throughout the week that you're going to have peaks and valleys as far as the numbers. You're gonna have days that are higher, you're gonna have days that are lower. And then when we actually calculate the average, that is the number that we're looking at. And so we can actually tell a whole lot about what's going on by looking at this average. Again, it's also helpful to remove the emotion from it, right? If we're actually able to look at an average, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that high weight wasn't the end of the world, right? Um, but if we use that for one day, it might feel that way. But when we look at it as an average, we have this, this high number, which is normal. We're gonna get to some reasons why that would happen in a minute. And then we have this lower number. And so the actual number is somewhere in the middle in the average. It's also important to recognize the average and the trend throughout the month because we have different periods in our cycle where we'll hold on to water differently, where we our body will release body fat differently. So we may have an entire week where the number is a little bit higher and then we'll have weeks where the number is lower. And so being able to look at the number at the, at the, as an average for a 30, 28 day period, just kind of depending on what your cycle is, that number is not really important, can give you an accurate representation of the month as a whole. Because here's a really tricky thing. We also get really emotional during that time of the month if you're a cycling woman and the number will get a little bit higher. And so then you start to feel that things aren't working, your plan's not working, you need to quit, throw in the towel, or you need to course correct really quickly. And in all reality, it's just a normal uptick in the scale and the scale's gonna come back down. And again, our number's gonna be in the average. So what are some other reasons that the scale might go up? The scale might go up because of the types of food that you're eating. It's one thing to hit your calorie range. It's one thing to hit your macros. And then we have to look at the quality of the food that we're eating. Now, I'm not saying that you're, you're eating food that is, quote, bad for you because we know there's no good foods and there's no bad foods. But this gives us an opportunity to look at, okay, I hit my macros, I hit my calories, but where was this, were these calories coming from? And so if we are in a period where we're eating more processed foods, again, not making that wrong, it could just be a season of your life, a, a day, a week, whatever have you, then we might hold on to a little bit more water, which is going to potentially make the scale plateau. It's also going to potentially make the scale go up. And that's okay. It does not necessarily mean that it is body fat. In fact, it is less likely to be body fat if we are definitely hitting our calorie goal and we are, are definitely hitting our macro range. So again, making sure that we're not attaching emotion to this uptick in the scale because this could be normal. Again, your time of the month might cause the scale to go up. Lack of sleep. 
Alcohol can make the scale go up without it being body fat. Travel can make the scale go up without it being body fat. Um, needing to go to the restroom, number two, can make the scale go up. That is not body fat. An extra hard workout where your muscles are retaining more fluid, that is not body fat. All these different reasons that the scale can go up. One of the biggest reasons that the scale can kind of be a little bit stubborn and go up is stress. And so stress is going to cause uh, our cortisol to rise, which is going to cause us to hold on to more fluids. It also keeps our body in a fight or flight response, which does not necessarily make it safe for it to release energy stores, AKA body fat. So something to keep in mind. Stress also correlates with our hunger and cravings. It also directly influences our quality of sleep and our recovery, which all influence that number on the scale. And yes, can also sometimes influence body fat loss loss and body recomposition. But it doesn't always mean that there is we're gaining body fat because the scale went up. So being able to look at this curiously and being able to say, okay, the scale went up this day, what was going on? This is why it is so crucial for you all to track your biofeedback. Your sleep, hunger, mood, energy, and cravings are crucial. We can look back at all the data that we have gained throughout that period. We can look at the scale weight. We can look at the food that we took in, the calories, the macros, the quality of food, all these different things, the way we were moving our body, what was going on at work, what was going on at home, what was going on in the world. All of these different things can influence this one tiny little number, which don't make you a terrible person and don't make you a great person either. It's just indifferent. It just is. It's just a fact. So being able to use that to aim, assess what was going on. The same if the scale went down, right? You want the scale to continuously go down. We also need to be investigating that. Assess, investigate, and modify. Of course, we're not going to do a whole lot of modifications if the scale is working in our favor, but we can do more of what is actually working. If the scale's not moving in our favor, assess, investigate, and modify, we can look at what we, ch we can change. Sometimes... It could be that we need a calorie drop. However, that is the last step that we want to take in our modifications. Why? The metabolism responds to the smallest calorie deficit possible by keeping it moving, by keeping it happy, by keeping it healthy, by keeping you healthy, by managing your hunger, by managing your cravings and helping you recover as well as supporting your hormones. That's a lot. So we don't want to cut calories unless it's necessary. Looking at our biofeedback, that gives us a lot of information about what we can adjust. Can we look at our sleep quality? Can we look at our, our, our hunger? What's going on with the quality of food that we're eating? Can we change the volume or types of food so that we can manage our hunger better? What about our cravings? What's going on there? What's going on with our stress levels? How can we change how we're moving our body? Hydration, so many different toggles that we can start to pull on to help us modify to get a more favorable response. The least favorite thing that we can actually modify is it our accuracy in logging our food? This is one of the things that folks seem to resist the most, but it can actually be the easiest way to get progress in the direction that you desire. Again, it only becomes an obsessive behavior if you allow it to be so. Weighing your food, utilizing a food scale to weigh your food can give you a lot of information about what you're taking in. 
My clients are always surprised when they start weighing their food what a serving size actually looks like. And this can be a huge discrepancy in the actual number of calories you're taking in per day and per week, as well as your macros, so on and so forth. So if you're going along and you hit a plateau, the scale is no longer moving down, then I encourage you to start simply with the accuracy of tracking your food. If you don't want to go down the route of a food scale, start with just being more precise with your measuring. And here's another big key. Even if you're not weighing your scale or weighing food on a scale, being really accurate with how you're actually measuring the food so it's consistent. So we're not eyeballing here and eyeballing here and our eyes are a little bit different each and every day, if that makes sense. We want to be as consistent as possible, even if it's not as accurate as possible, so that our data becomes a little bit more accurate to adjust and modify. The second piece that we can look at is our, our NEAT, our non-exercise activity. So increasing just the amount of time that we're up, we're not sedentary, we're moving around. This doesn't mean that you need to go join the gym and sign up for five exercise classes every single week. This could mean standing at your desk and fidgeting, moving around as you cook dinner. This is my favorite that always gets a laugh. When I fold clothes, specifically underwear, <laughs> I fold it across the bedroom. So I have to walk each individual pair over to my wardrobe. Look for ways to get creative. We're not looking to add things to our journey. While we do want our health and our fitness to be mostly additive, we want to take a big picture view of what's actually going on and start to zoom in at all the little pieces and say, how can I make this a little bit clearer? And so the big piece of this, when you are taking these numbers, and let's say the scale does go up, rather than making it mean something, attaching it to, it to morality, emotion, or feeling, we just take a breath and pause and say, okay, this is feedback, because that's the truth. All of these metrics are just feedback from what's going on in our body, from our habits, our behaviors, and yes, even our thoughts, because our thoughts are gonna directly influence our behaviors. The very last piece is to recognize body composition. So the scale is only one way to measure your weight loss progress. And it's not even, in my opinion, the best way. However, it can be the easiest way. Other ways to measure your progress are measuring through actual measurements. So using a, a tape measure to measure your body parts, your arms, your legs, your waist, your hips, all of that, which yes, can be time consuming. Progress photos, which I recommend regardless. That's my number one. Being able to look at, at photos and be able to compare them side by side. So making sure that we're taking the same photos, the same view, preferably again, the same time of day and in the same outfit can be really helpful. But you also can measure the way you feel, the way you're showing up for yourself, the way you're recovering. If you're on a health journey that has to do with lab work, we can use our lab numbers to actually gauge progress. Whatever your metric is, if you're utilizing the scale, which again, 
if your goal is weight loss, I recommend you doing just detaching your emotion from it. Just make sure that we're using it correctly and for what it is, a tool. Use it consistently. Take in the data. Assess what's going on when it's going your way. Assess what's going on when it's not going your way. Investigate why. Be honest. Be vulnerable. And modify. And then keep going. You can either be unhappy with the way the scale is moving and let that stop you, let, you, let that make you give up, cause you to quit and still be unhappy. Or you can take that feedback, respond rather than react, modify and continue to move forward, which makes your success inevitable. The last thing that I will say on this is to be really clear with what actual progress on the scale is. The scale is not always going to go down. Again, fluctuations are totally normal, totally normal. Scale's not gonna go down every week. Scale's not gonna go down maybe even every month. So having realistic expectations is huge and helps pull the emotion piece away from it. So what are your expectations of the scale? Get clear on that. And then let's have an honest conversation. The scale's not always going to go down one pound. A tenth of a pound is still progress in the right direction. So be honest with yourself when you're getting disappointed that the scale only went down a smidge and see if we can change that into a celebration. Create more realistic expectations. Sometimes the scale is going to go down half a pound. Maybe it goes down a pound. If it goes up any more than 1.5 pounds, depending on the weight that you have to lose, your, your total volume, then that might be a little bit too much and we might need to have a different conversation. So have realistic expectations. Make sure that your actions are matching your expectations and continue to use this data to inform yourself about what's going on with your body, your metabolism, your habits, your behaviors, your, nut your nutrition, your exercise, and continue to allow it to support you in your journey forward. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I would love to connect with you further. So you can find me on Instagram at Natalie Brooke Guevara. If you'd like more information about my coaching program, The Strong Method, you can find all the details at updogwellnessandfitness.com, as well as additional resources and free workshops and trainings. If you have a few moments, I would love it if you would take time to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. And I can't wait to connect with you again right here next week.